You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. God's saying, look, if you'll live open-handedly, if, if you won't try to accumulate, but instead just allow me to bless you, but then share that with others, watch how the rhythm of that leads to rest and a lighter burden than this desire to accumulate and have. I mean, the, the more stuff you have, the more stuff that has you. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I am Taylor. We are continuing our series on rhythms, looking at the unforced rhythms of grace that bring us rest, talking about giving this morning. I am joined by two special friends. First, we have lead pastor Jose Abro with us. Good morning, Taylor. Jose, good morning. Great to have you. And we are joined by the doctor. The doctor's in the house, Dr. Sean Stover. Sean, thanks for being here. Love being here. It's great awesome. to have you. It is great to have you. Jose, we'd love to give you the first word as you prepared for this message yeah. on the wonderful topic of this giving. Is, this is the fun one, the one everyone's been waiting to hear. I really meant um, this uh, Sunday that I hoped that after this message, we would be encouraged, we would be affirmed because we really are an incredibly generous church and is always convicted by the Holy Spirit in some way. I certainly was as I read these verses that Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 when he's talking about the collection that he's gathering for a need uh, in in the church in Jerusalem. So um, honestly, I read it through uh, the ESV, NIV, NASB, and NLT. That's normally what I do. I'll read different translations. And when I read the NLT, it just, you know, these words came out um, when I read it. And so that's really where I got the points from, from, from this message is I read through it and I thought this is something that I certainly need to hear. And so I hope that it, again, encouraged, affirmed, and also convicted as us as we heard the message. Yeah, we'll get to that Second Corinthians passage in just a second. But the kind of entire theme of this series is looking based out of Matthew 11, verses yes. 28 to 30, just talking about, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Uh, here, weary and burdened, as the NIV version says. So as we look through giving, this is not the first message that we've heard from giving, probably won't be the last, but I'd love to hear both of y'all's thoughts on the significance of looking at looking at this through the lens of that passage that God wants us to, to experience his rest through giving because Jose, you mentioned this on Sunday, but most people do not associate finances yeah. with the rest. It's usually yeah. stress and there's all kinds of uh, anxiety that comes with that. So, so what is so significant about just this concept of, of giving and how we can experience God's rest? Yeah, I think broader than our definition of the word giving, it's really talking about being open-handed with your life, with, with your gifts, your talents, your possessions, and your finances, but but living open-handedly. So the the desire to to hold things tight and accumulate and pull in, and that's that's that'll make you weary pretty quick. You know, there there it takes a lot of labor to gain and accumulate and uh, have all the stuff and then create your own level of security with your finances. And um God's saying, look, if you'll live open-handedly, if, if you won't try to accumulate, but instead just allow me to bless you, put the work in so that you can you know, receive the financial things, but then share that with others. Watch how the rhythm of that leads to, to rest and a lighter burden than this desire to accumulate and have. I mean, the, the more stuff you have, the more stuff that has you. And mm -hmm. that's what God's getting at, I think, in these passages. That's really good. And ultimately, this is what Jesus modeled for us. So he has dominion and he's fully sovereign over all things. And yet he, he freely 
gives. He gave us his son. He gives us life. He gave us his word. And so God, in essence, is a giver. And so it makes sense that he would also want us to emulate that as we are generous uh, with one another. What about someone uh, that's listening that I, I love something you said, Jose, you said God's not after our money, but he's after our heart. And so usually it's through both either our time and our schedules, as well as our finances that we can get a glimpse of where our heart is at. If someone's listening to the message on Sunday and they felt maybe convicted where it's like, yeah, my, my heart is chasing after, you know, this accumulating, this pulling in uh, of wealth. And even just from a time standpoint, where would they go from there? As far as what does it look like to kind of give that over and surrender that over to God? Does that look like just practically writing a check out of the blue or kind of what, how would you counsel or encourage someone that's in this point where they, they wanna dig in, they, they wanna give up and change that heart posture, uh, but don't know where to start? I think the key to change at any level in any area is to start with awareness. So if they actually experience the message uh, convicting them in some way. Conviction is just God's way of making us aware of something that's yeah. going on in our life. And so that awareness is step one. And before you rush into what do I do with this, I would say camp in awareness. It's more like the question of exactly, God, what are you trying to tell me right now? When I, when I think about finances, I'm feeling some conviction. I'm aware there's an issue here. Help me understand it. What, and ask questions with curiosity about yourself. What role do finances play in my life? What what does chasing after money and possessions, what has it done to me in my mental health and my spiritual health? What's it done in my relationships? What What is the most important thing to me in my life if I really sat down and said, man, at the end of my life, this is what I want to be known for. So you just ask questions and, and camp in awareness first. I, I like where you're going. You're of the generation that's like, we got to make something happen. We just heard it. Let's do it right now. And uh, that's a good path to, to go down. We'll pull up the phone, pull up the guide, make sure that it's all done in an app, right? <laughs> Quick change. It's and, and I love that, honestly, because we don't want to just, we don't want to be people who are hearers of the word, but not doers. I understand that. But if you'll pause let the awareness speak to you. And then from that, then the next question is, okay, Lord, I'm seeing myself through your eyes. The eyes of my heart are opened. Mm -hmm. I understand there's significant issues here with me around money. Um, what do you want me to do with that? How do you want me to change the way I'm living? You know, and it, it may be, you know, that you give something away. It may be that you share something that you have, or it may just be that you stop pursuing so much, you know, using so much of your time to get stuff. And instead you, yeah. you start using some of your time to give uh, energy and, and passion to other people. Yeah, that's really, really good, Sean. I think awareness before change, right? The ABC, you've taught me that. And it's important to ask why. Why awareness before change, A, B, C? Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. <laughs> um, so when you have the awareness that something is not, yeah, it's not bringing you rest. It's, it's only bringing you stress, um, then that can inform how, how, how we make steps. One of, one of the things that I have in my life that I consider the best resource, um, I think my life is richest in human resources, the people that I have around me. So being able to ask you, Sean, questions, someone that I'll look up to, someone that is uh, further along in, in their walk and in, in life's journey, um, you know, I, I, I love that you freely give wisdom. And so that, that may be a good next step for you. Who do you have in your life that has modeled this well? Or at least that you may, not, may, you may not know them well, but you see that they have peace. You know, when it comes to the way that they live their life, the way that they order their life with their time and their money, ask questions 
and and pursue a relationship with them. Say, hey, I, I need I need help in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, again, he's entering here, giving instruction so that they can find peace. I love that one passage that says, um, "Hey, I'm not telling you you have to do this." but I am testing your heart <laughs> uh, because the other churches are eager. And if your heart's really in this, then you, this will bring about that same type of response in, in us. And, and so that, that's bringing other, other examples into the mix and hopefully bringing about you know, this heart posture of generosity. Mm-hmm. I think another aspect of the heart posture is this concept that Jose, you touched on on Sunday, as far as that it's not ours to begin with, and that we're simply stewards. Yeah. You brought up the the Chick Fil A uh, franchise model as an yeah. example of that. What is so significant about just even that simple simple concept that this is it's, it's not actually ours. It's not our time. It's not our you know wallets. As far as how how, how have y'all to you know, embrace that truth, and how have you seen that just from a simply from a restful or freeing stance when it comes to the way in which you you steward your time and and talents? We didn't talk about this on Sunday, but entitlement is very, very dangerous. and And to your point, Shauna, what you were saying earlier, the more we have, the more those things have us. And so if we start thinking, I, I deserve, uh, I've worked hard for, uh, and, and we start, it's a me, me, me mentality, it's a grab, it's a take, uh, then that's only going to perpetuate a, a mindset of having more and more and more, and we are gonna look and compare, and well, they have that, so I need that. And that's a, it's a never-ending cycle. That's the world's way. And so this way, God's way is, well, it's, it's all his. Um, I have what I have. He designated this for me, or he gave me a a talent or a skill that brings about maybe a lot of money. (laughs) For some people I know, that's a gift that they have. Everything that they touch, maybe not everything, but a lot of things that they touch just turn to gold. They have a gift to create more money and profit and all those things. And yet they are so open-handed and they give so freely. And, and so um, this rhythm, I, I really think the biggest symptom is, uh, are you resting in that or, or are you just working that hamster wheel more and more and more and more? Yeah, I, I'm on the same page with all that. I'll tell you a little story that may seem off track, but hang with me for a second. When um, Christine and I were pregnant with our third child, um, little Avery, she didn't survive and, and she passed away. Well, we were, uh, she, Christina carried her full term. It was really traumatic. And um, we were angry at God and uh, hurt and sad and disappointed. And we had to wrestle with him and work our way through that. But it was in that process that he revealed to me. And he said, Sean, look, don't you, don't you understand that I love these kids way more than you ever could imagine that they're my kids and you're stewarding them, but they're my kids. I got this. And uh, he taught me that principle with my kids as, as a parent. And it, it kind of opened my eyes to, well, that's really how everything works. So it's a little harder for me, honestly, just to go straight to finances and go, how do I steward stuff? As opposed, but when I put it back in that context and I realized, okay, well, with my kids, the most important thing to me, you know, as, as a person, um, that's God's. They're God's ultimately, and I'm stewarding this time with them. And uh, you know what? So then it, it makes sense now. Okay, well, my finances are the same way, right? You know, this is God's stuff. I'm stewarding it. And uh, he cares a lot about it. He cares about how it's used and if it's used for good or, you know, what it's doing in my life and what it's doing in my heart and what it's teaching me and what I'm learning about him through the process. 
but it's his ultimately. And it, when you make that shift, yeah. you don't have to hold on so tight. And again, I go back to this idea and I'm doing it like you can see this. So if we had a video of me opening my hands, yeah. uh, you'd be able to see this, but it's just, it is literally a posture that you have to at some point try to embrace of being open-handed with the things in your life so that God can do what he wants to do uh, in relationship mm. with you. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. Uh, another concept here as we get into the how we give and kind of the the points you mentioned from the Second Corinthians passage. But the first part here is giving through the church. And there's a lot of ways that we can give both our time, talents, and treasure and uh, to serve the kingdom. It could be a relationship, a friend, a family member. There's all kinds of ways. And yet there's something unique about the vessel or the organism that God has chosen to uh, really bless when it comes to giving, and that's the local church. And so, Jose, I'd love to hear your thoughts on just the significance of that and just what what makes the local church unique and different in, as opposed to a lot of other ways and outlets that you can, you can give. Well, well, what just came to mind now is it's, it's, it's you, it's me, it's us in a room here together. This is a unique gathering. This is a unique time that we're able to spend together, unique um, tapestry of stories and experiences and resources and all of that stuff. So uh, what what brings us together is, is Jesus, his love. And um, I think that's what makes the local church so powerful is that it's people-centered. It's not organizational-centered. Um, when, when, when done right, when done according to how this early church started in Acts 2, they, they were just a group of people, multiple ethnicities. They came from different places. They were all Jewish, which is, I think, what's cool about uh, the Second Corinthians passage. We didn't get into this, uh, but now we have different races, different uh, cultural backgrounds, and they're, they're, they're breaking those down by giving to other churches um, and, and helping each other. So the common denominator is Jesus. And I think that when you have a common denominator that is so strong, that can unite so many people that are so different, then it, it, it makes total sense that God would choose his um, you know, His people, his church to be the vessel of hope and um, you know, this is this is how you're to live. Here's the problem with the church, is because it has people in it, it's imperfect, <laughs> and we hurt one another, and we let each other down, and and we sometimes do the the human thing, and we compare, and we fight, and we and, and all that stuff. So that's why it's it's important to follow Jesus holistically, because he talks about those things too. Forgive one another, mm -hmm. make reconciliation the highest aim in in the church. Um, so it's it's hard, but it's God's way. And I think it's even the, best the way. brokenness of the church, though, is something that's beautiful because it's God's redemptive story at work. That's and, true. you know, we don't yeah. walk away from things just because they're not perfect or they're hard and we keep giving. You know, we, it's yeah. it's it's because we're giving out of obedience. Morgan, with this family that's trying to shift the the issue of mental health in our country. And we looked around and found who's doing the best, who's got the best mental health clinics. And we, we, we spent time with them, we studied them, and we thought to ourselves, man, if we could just have one of these clinics in every community in the country, we could transform mental health. And somebody that was really wise looked at us and said, well, you know, there, there is one institution that's in every community in our country. And we're like, you know, a clinic, a hospital, uh, what, what is it? And they're like, the church. Yeah. Every community in our country, in the, almost around the world, has a church in it yeah. at this point, you know? And so why it just makes total sense to go, let's work through the church. Why would we go build something new in that community? Let's use what's already there. I'm glad to be a part of a church that's making a difference here. 
in this community. That's perfect tie into my next question. Just the impact that Christians and believers can have in the community in the broader context, because it's not just this passage speaking to meeting the needs within the body, but even just the needs of the community as a whole and just those around them. So what what, what makes uh, Christians even different? Sean, I know from a professional context, you do work a lot in this space as far as uh, both with believers and unbelievers, as far as just trying to you know, do philanthropy, trying to give. So have there been kind of even just whether it's personal or just professional uh, differences that you've noticed in the way in which believers tackle this this uh, concept of stewardship and giving even compared to to those who aren't? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's one of the most important ways for us to be winsome in a culture that is incredibly selfish yeah. and incredibly desirous of collecting more stuff and accumulating. I mean, we got storage buildings everywhere. That's the other thing that's in every community, I guess, in the country, yeah. storage buildings. <laughs> yeah. People are just buying stuff and storing it. And uh, Christians should be different. Man, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a storage <laughs> building. If you do, if you follow follow Jesus, um, maybe you got your love Christmas Holy Spirit to inform, yeah, inform <laughs> that one. But... What we do differently, though, is is we meet the needs of others by being gracious, and that allows us to have some influence in their life. So they're asking, well, why? What, why in the midst of this flood are you walking into our house to scrape mud out of here? Why are you bringing us food? Um, why are you showing up when our relationship is falling apart, when we have that's falling apart because we haven't been acting anything like, you know, a believer should or what you guys believe. But if we show up in the poverty in people's lives relationally, financially, spiritually, uh, with our time, talent, and, and gifts, we have the opportunity at that point to then minister to where they are and open the door to pull them back toward a God who really loves them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, two things that I mentioned uh, that that stood out to me as I did as I studied this uh, last week was Christians have been from the beginning of time the most generous uh, group of people. So the church has been this vehicle of hope and healing in communities. And that's because the gospel is so for the broken and for the vulnerable. And it's the only religion, the only faith that actually speaks to those that have that are disadvantaged. Um, when when, when uh, you look at the poor and the vulnerable, normally the marginalized, I mean, you wanna crush them so that they don't hurt you in war or whatever I'm talking about in antiquity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we are benevolent because we serve a benevolent God who has been kind, who has loved us, his enemies, who has given freely to us, you know, who blesses those even who do evil. Proverbs and Ecclesiastes are full of that. Even when you do wrong, you're, you're, still, you're still blessed. God knows that. that that's not a surprise. Um, he wants us to be uh, stewards so that we can show others, wow, not only look at how God uh, has blessed that person, but look at how much peace they have. Um, when they have and when they don't have, the peace remains. So again, it, it speaks to this, you know, it speaks to Jesus being the, the common denominator in, in both. Yeah, and in addition to giving through the church, you mentioned there's kind of five other ways in which we can give and that's give freely, give responsively, give uh, eagerly, honorably, and cheerfully. And uh, I think all of those, it reminds me of a question I asked uh, on the podcast last week as we as we look at these four Gs as gather, grow, give, go. Um, when it comes to giving, how can you do this in a way that's out of an overflow or a response to God's love for us instead of out of compulsion? Or if you're like me, instead of a way to think that you can earn certain things from God, because I think these are all really important disciplines and rhythms that we can integrate in our lives. But, but how do you two both just balance that where you're making sure you're doing this out of response to God instead of trying to kind of 
earn something because it can get tricky, at least in my opinion, when it comes to this stuff. Look, we're all capable of it, right? Christmas rolls around every year and the people that we care the most about, we spend time thinking about what kind of gift can I get them? We don't think about, oh man, what's the cost going to be to me? It's it's like, what's it going to feel like for them to open this present and to know that I care about them and have thought about them? And we put that time and energy into it because that's wired into our DNA to care about people that way and give of ourselves. So we're all capable of it. Nobody should sit back and say, oh, I, I can't give. I, I'm, I, you know, um, how do we do that in the, in the day? It's the same way. It's like we have to care enough about what we're, what we're giving to um, and, and realize there's going to be a blessing where we're giving it, and not necessarily for us, even though, man, there's so many verses in there that talk about it will ultimately yeah. get back yeah. around to that. But that's not got to, that can't be right. the primary mm-hmm. motivator. You know, the primary motivator is I care about, I care about my local church. I care about this ministry that my local church is, is doing in our community or this, you know, international work that's going on or this effort. And, and you find things that you care about and be generous toward that. That's where I would say to start, you know, and then as you start to feel the goodness that comes back to you, you'll continue. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.